Welcome back to the 18th Century Podcast, I'm your host, CJ. In today's episode, we'll be taking a look at the life of Mary Wollstonecraft. You may be wondering who Mary Wollstonecraft was, and I don't blame you, her name isn't as common as it used to be. Uh, She wasn't a towering figure like Frederick the Great, but she was the mother of Mary Shelley, the author of Frankenstein. If you'd like to read the script for this episode and its citations, go to 18thcentury.home.blog. That's 18thcentury.home.blog. Type the numbers, don't spell them. Alright, let's get into this bio of Mary Wollstonecraft. Mary Wollstonecraft was born on April 27, 1759, in London. She would be the second child out of seven total. Her father, Edward John, received a sizable inheritance from his father, but he handled the funds poorly. Edward desired to become a gentleman farmer, yet as time marched on, life would be marked with failure. The family would move to Epping, I believe I am pronouncing that correctly, I apologize if I'm not, uh, so he could pursue his goal. Edward had a violent streak about him, and uh, he was reportedly abusive. During her youth, Mary was envious of her older brother, Edward, or Ned. Her, he was her mother's favorite and the only child out of seven to receive a formal education. Ned also received a portion of the inheritance left to him by their grandfather. He would go on to become a lawyer. Mary would gain her ability to read from a friendship she made in her youth with retired clergyman and his wife. She would familiarize herself with the Bible and the works of ancient philosophers. She also showed an interest for the works of Milton and Shakespeare. During the 18th century, there were very few occupations for women of Mary's standing. So, in 1778, she became a lady's companion to a Mrs. Dawson, who resided resided in Bath. She was only 19 at the time. She would accompany Mrs. Dawson across England to attend to her. Mary wasn't content working for Mrs. Dawson, but she did have the comfort of her closest friend, Fanny Blood. Her mother fell ill, and Mary returned home during 1781 to nurse her. It would be for naught, though. Her mother would perish during the spring of 1782. After the death of her mother, Mary's father would remarry and move to Wales. Her sister, Eliza, also married. Mary moved in with the Blood family. Though impoverished, they took her in. To help offset the costs of an extra person in their household, Mary did needlework to assist with with bringing in an income. Within months of Eliza's marriage, uh, she became pregnant. Eliza's husband, Meredith Bishop, uh, wrote to Mary in 1783, asking for assistance with the baby and Eliza's deteriorating condition, which was mostly mentally. Mary would move out of the Bloods' house and go and attend to her sister in the winter of 1783. 
Once she moved in with her sister, she presumed Eliza's mental condition was due to the treatment of her husband. Eliza and Mary left the bishop home in January of 1784, so a very short time they spent there. Uh, unfortunately, under the law of the time, Eliza had to leave her newborn with her husband. The baby would die that August. Mary helped her sister get legal separation. In February of the same year, Mary would meet up with her friend Fanny, and the two of them, along with Eliza, and shortly after, Everina? I'm not really familiar with that name, and again, I apologize for my mispronunciation, um, who was another one of Mary's sisters, joined them. The four women began to plan on opening a school. Uh, they would open their school in Newington Green. During the, her uh, stay in Newington Green, Mary befriended Reverend Richard Price, uh, who would introduce her to liberal intellectuals of the time. Fanny soon decided to marry and shortly after became pregnant. Fanny and her husband decided to have their baby in Lisbon, Portugal. She invited Mary to accompany her, and the three of them set off in November of 1785. On the voyage to Lisbon, Mary met a man suffering from consumption. She attended to him while they crossed the waters. She would write about her experience nursing the man in her novel, Mary, a Fiction. While in Portugal, Mary came to de detest the Portuguese culture, viewing it as superstitious, and Mary herself preferred more of the intellectual pursuits of her time. Fanny ended up giving birth prematurely, and the baby and herself died shortly after. Uh, Mary would return to England, and it's safe to say that she was devastated by the passing of her friend. And to add um, more hardship to after this tragedy, the school that they started was, uh, well, it, it was in financial ruin. She ended up publishing, though, a book called Thoughts on the Education of Daughters in 1787. Mary would be publishing through a man named Joseph Johnson. The advance she received would support her for a time, but she needed work. She became a governess for an Irish family, the Kingsborough family. She was charged with watching over the children. During her time with the Kingsboroughs, she was very unhappy and was still grieving for the loss of Fanny. She would travel across England and Ireland with the family. However, Mary did not see eye-to-eye eye with Lady Kingsborough. Mary would view Lady Kingsborough as everything wrong with women of the time. Mary thought that Lady Kingsborough was weak, and it contrasted with Mary's view of a strong woman. She ended up being fired by Lady Kingsborough, and Mary returned to London during 1787 and gained employment with her old publisher, Joseph Johnson. She worked translating and advising Johnson in his business. She would also uh, continue her own writing during this time. 
1788, Johnson would start his analytical review, which Mary would become a contributor. In 1791, Mary would attend a dinner hosted by Johnson in honor of Thomas Paine regarding his most recent work, The Rights of Men, which is in defense of the French Revolution. At the dinner, many intellectuals would gather. Among them was William Godwin. This would mark the initial meeting between Mary and William, and things did not start off on the right foot. It was purported by Johnson that Mary and William argued over dinner, and this argument overtook the entire conversation. Then, in September of 1791, Mary would begin writing her arguably her uh, most popular work, A Vindication of the Rights of Women. She had an interest in the events occurring in France, and in February of 1792, she would meet uh, Charles Talleyrand. Talleyrand. I took three years of French in high school, so knock on wood. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. Talleyrand. A, uh, Talleyrand was a French diplomat. Wanting to see the revolution for herself, Mary would set off for Paris in December. Now, I'm aware that I'm pausing at an exciting part of this bio, you know, going into the French Revolution, but we're going to take a short break here, and when we return, we'll look into Mary in her time during the French Revolution and her final years of her life. Don't go away, I'll be right back. Welcome back. We'll continue the second half of this episode by going over Mary's time spent in France and the final years of her life. When Mary got to France, she met and ended up residing with an American, Captain Gilbert Imley. They lived in a suburb of Paris. Unfortunately for Mary, at the time she reached Paris, it was beginning of what would be known as the Jacobin Terror. French sentiments uh, began to grow more and more antagonistic towards the British. You could say this was shocking because it's not like the British and the French have a centuries-long history of hating each other. Surprise, surprise. So after a few months away from the main conflict in Paris, Emily and Mary headed back to the city. They grew closer together during their time away, though. When they did return, they went to the American Embassy, and Mary claimed to be Emily's wife, though the two of them never actually married. There was more security in France being an American rather than being a Brit. Mary became pregnant with his child, yet the happy couple wasn't as happy as we'd like to think. Emily grew disloyal towards Mary. She would give birth in La Havre. Havre, La Havre. My apologies to the French listeners. Uh, during uh, 1794, and they named their daughter after Mary's deceased friend Fanny. After birth, Emily went to Paris, and Mary followed with their child. Emily would abandon Mary and Fanny, heading to London. During, I should also note, during her time in France, uh, Mary watched 
many of her allies uh, get sent to the guillotine. Again, not too surprising, but also very tragic, given this period in France's history, which I will cover the French Revolution at a later date. And that will probably be a multi-part, uh, like a mini-series. Uh, also, Thomas Paine was imprisoned during this time. So everything was getting worse, and Mary took her baby with her, and they returned to London. She would find Emily, and uh, she attempted suicide. He stopped her. It's safe to say their relationship was rocky at this point. Though, after a few months, Emily would send Mary on a business trip to Scandinavia. She was granted what was essentially power of attorney and representation for Emily's interests on this trip. She would take her daughter and her daughter's nurse with her to Scandinavia. After her business was concluded in Scandinavia, they returned to London. Mary would find Emily living with an actress, further proving his disloyalty to her. Again, Mary would attempt suicide, but it was prevented. She would break off her relationship with Emily. Then, in April of 1796, she did something quite unexpected for the period. She called upon her old dinner acquaintance, William Godwin. He had read her most recent work, Letters from Sweden, and gained a new perspective, more positive perspective, of Mary. They soon began talking and discovered their common interests in nature, other cultures, etc. Over the next few months, their friendship grew into something stronger, and by August, they had become lovers. By March of 1797, Mary had become pregnant. Uh, they talked of marriage, which was a problem for them because the two both publicly spoke out against marriage and viewed it as a legal institution which neglected love. But they indulged in hypocrisy and married on March 29th, 1797. A few months later, married would give birth on August 30th to their new daughter, Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin, who would become Mary Shelley. This was a short-lived happy occasion, as Mary would soon meet her end. Mary Wollstonecraft left the world on September 10th, 1797, due to blood poisoning from childbirth. Mary Wollstonecraft was only 38 years old when she died. Mary Wollstonecraft had a difficult life. Yet, she would usher in a child who would become one of the most important fiction writers in history. Mary's accomplishment should not be overlooked. She was a woman who deserves to be remembered. The script and citations for this episode and all other episodes can be found at 18thcentury.home.blog. That's 18thcentury.home.blog. Type the numbers, don't spell them. If you'd like to support the show, please share it and leave a review. Uh, reviews and ratings, especially on iTunes, will help the show grow. I've been your host, CJ, and thanks for listening to this episode of the 18th Century Podcast.